It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Oh, you guys are back. I am so happy that you're here. Wherever you are, you driving, are you walking, are you jogging, are you working out? you just sitting? Because I always do different things when I'm listening to podcasts. But this one is going to have your heart racing because it's talking clothes and retail ahead of the holiday season. But I want to begin with this question. Who among you has, now listen carefully, who among you has never stepped inside a Gap store, Old Navy, J. Crew, Madewell, or Ann Taylor in your life. You've never been in one. If you say you haven't, you're totally lying because they're ubiquitous. And depending on the decade, at one point or another, each one was the place to buy clothes. I mean, some might not be as cool right now, but they all have one undeniable thing in common at their most popular points. They were run by the same guy. Millard, a.k.a. Mickey Drexler. In the 1980s, when Ann Taylor was hanging by a thread with dowdy offerings shunned by a fast-growing population of ambitious working women, Drexler, at age 36, was named CEO, overhauled the designs, flipped the chain to profitability, and doubled the number of stores. When the Gap could not keep its super popular khakis stocked because shoppers just had to have multiple pairs, Mickey was the CEO. I mean, remember when people used to get excited when the new J. Crew catalog came in the mail? It was inevitably filled with pages of gorgeous but so natural 20 and 30-somethings, chilling in cozy cabins and romping in the snow. The brand got so hot, Barack Obama's daughters wore J. Crew coats to their dad's presidential inauguration, sparking a run on the designs. Yep. That was Mickey at the helm. Oh, and Old Navy, the apparel chain that became the fastest in history to reach one billion in sales. Mickey invented the brand out of thin air. Okay, I'm not even finished with his incredible successes, but how did a kid growing up in the hard scrabble Bronx in the 1940s and 50s manage to become the most successful retail clothing CEO in history? I cannot wait to open up Mickey Drexler's bag of secrets to success, especially at a time when the retail clothing business is facing huge challenges. Mickey, welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz. Thank you, Liz. Good to be here. By the way, uh, I never think of myself as the most successful. I think of myself as having to do better, always being a student, and I learn every day. Well, that's that's the sign of a very smart business person who never sits on their laurels. And that's that's so you. I mean, Mickey, it's so rare to have two successes in retail apparel. But time and time again, you've really had the Midas touch in in one of the toughest industries in the world. And I kind of want to get to the bottom of where you got that Midas touch. I mean, did you come from a family that worked in retail? No, I uh, grew up in the Bronx very modestly. Uh, My father worked in the shipping room of a coat manufacturer, a woman's coat manufacturer. That's retail. (laughs) Well, but he was a shipping clerk, so whatever. But uh, no, I think um, I'm a big believer in DNA, what people uh, have inside of them. And, uh, you know, I always say this... uh, don't care where people went to college, 
don't care what their grades were or their board scores were. And when I meet people, and it's taken over over the time for me to learn all this, I want to know about their life. I start from their growing up and uh, what they did. And I also sense uh, they have to be a little nervous because that's natural. And uh, and I start to schmooze with them. And I learn much more that way than going over a resume that's been worked on for months or rehearsed interview. See, now I'm falling in love with you because Buffett, Warren Buffett always says, I am not interested in who has an MBA or from what school. I just want to know what kind of fire you have in you. And, and well, the Yiddish word is sechel, intelligence. Oh, hello. It's a natural intelligence. My grandparents <laughs> spoke Yiddish at home, you know. So you know sechel. A hundred, I know a lot of Yiddish words, yeah. but whatever. Well, uh, so you, you said you grew up in the Bronx. Yep. 1950s apartment living in the Bronx. Describe it. Well, you know, I didn't know any better. I lived in the Bronx in a ground floor apartment. Uh, on Barnes Avenue, 2911. And uh, who knew that I'd never been out of the Bronx. I used to go to uh, the city once in a while uh, on the on the, on the subway. But, you know, you don't know when you grow up like that what you're missing. And when I started to go to overnight camp, I started to see a little of what I was missing. Uh, but, you know, my dad always wanted to be successful, whatever. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, my mom was ill, uh, died when I was 16. Mm. And so I wouldn't trade growing up in the Bronx, although in hindsight, I didn't love growing up there, but I always wanted to be someplace else, not because of the Bronx, because of my own little environment. But wasn't that a driver in a way? Had Huge. you not had that, might you be where you are today? Well, you know, it's a good question. I, uh, I thank, in hindsight that it's a place where you everything one did, they did on their own. There was no fancy kids in the neighborhood, which I liked. It was very mixed neighborhood, uh, Jewish, Italian, black, and Latino. And uh, But I never thought about any of that. I went to PS 76, and I never liked school, never. I always had a school phobia. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just get through. You get through, and uh, getting through meant you went to City College, correct? Uh, I went to Bronx Science, which changed my life in hindsight, because all of a sudden I'm meeting all these smart people, uh, and they all went to college. I was the first one uh, in my family on my mother's side of eight cousins. I was the only one who went to college, which in the 60s, was not, uh, but I thank Bronx Science for that. That was the high school and yep. worked your way up. And you ended up at Buffalo, right? I ended there. I, I went to City College for two years. Uh, for personal reasons, I had to get out of my house. So, <laughs> and I would have gone anywhere in America. But I ended up at Buffalo. And I was, uh, you know, I liked it there. I was away on my own. I went there for two years and, uh, you know, it was nice to be away. It was nice to be away. And and what led you to, I'm going to work in the retail apparel industry? Well, you know, a lot of it's serendipitous in a way. Uh, I interviewed for uh, some companies and once they don't answer my uh, resume, I hate them, (laughs) you know? 
It's just rude. <laughs> and by the way, I'm that way today of people. Now everyone kind of returns my calls, but I remember what it was and I never forget what it was. So I'm always a little cynical. But uh, I got, they didn't respond. I took a summer job at a department store and I loved it like crazy. It was A&S. I worked in the young men's jeans department and I fell in love with the action. Plus, you know, I never had like a normal job where I wasn't schlepping coats or something. And, um, but I'll tell you what happened. It was very interesting. Um, I, they liked me a lot. I thought I was going to get a job. They offered me a job, but they offered someone who was just in my class. He was fine. $500 more than me. I didn't know exactly why I was so angry. I figured out a few years later, because that's a, that's a tell about what's to come. Mm -hmm. So I uh, was interviewing at Bloomingdale's at the same time, and it wasn't a matter of the money. I thought it was, but it wasn't. How the hell could you think I'm doing a great job and offer my friend $500? I was angry. Long story short, I worked, uh, short, I worked for Bloomingdale's. Best experience my first three years. I worked with a woman, Katie Murphy. What year was this? Uh, this was uh, 1969. Oh, the early years. Yeah, and they were hot then. Oh, yes. And uh, I was very fortunate. I came in. They gave me a department to run my second day, lucky. And a woman who was my, uh, I guess, a rabbi or whatever, Katie Murphy, was the fashion director. She could have been anything, but in those days, a woman was, you know, they get slotted. So I, I worked with her about a year or two. She was like a, like a mentor, if you call it that. And we go to Europe together, and I didn't realize how lucky I was. And we really got along well. We went to factories in those days. You went to Italy. And uh, I thought this was what it was like, and it should be. So I did that for about three years. I stayed another three years because, uh, and then it started to wear on me that, and this is inside of me, that I wanted to respect and learn from my bosses. I have a very high standard. I don't know why, but I, wasn't, I didn't get that feeling. And I looked at the future there, and I said, I was 20 six or seven, I said, I, I don't care what job I have. I don't want to be in this business. Now, my next mistake was I took a job <laughs> at Macy's. I was there a year and a half. Same thing, but not to get personal about the people. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't my thing. Right. You wanted to be energized. Energized, creative, and all that. And you want to work, whatever. My third job was a mistake even worse. I went to A&S again. I suffered through four years, four and a half years. And I kept saying, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, and, you know, I was making a nice living, so I couldn't do this or that. But uh, I got a call uh, from uh, Ann Taylor's corporate owner. And they called and asked me if I'd uh, be interested in joining them and working for the founder who I knew. Mm -hmm. And Ann Taylor then, it was great. Then, you know, most fashion companies, they go down, they go up, they do whatever. Right, one minute they're hip and then the next yeah, they're not. Yeah, and it's very hard to maintain that. Anyway, I said, uh, I'm interested, but I don't, he was a nice guy, knew him, but I don't want to work 
for him. Mm. I mean, I don't know. As a, you know, the Yiddish term stark or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and then they said, well, we'll make you the CEO. And I still said no because I was nervous. I had to pay the rent. Friend of mine said a couple of days later, he says, what's going on? I tell him, he goes, take the job tomorrow. Huh. And I did. He said, I'd rather run a $25 million business as the CEO than a $500 million business in a bureaucracy. I called the next day praying it was still open. That's, that really put me on a road to, you know, running companies. Well, isn't that a lesson in and of itself that packages, oh, I always try and say like opportunities fly past you in packages you don't recognize. Grab them. A hundred percent. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. I know a lot of you have had this experience because for those of us who in 2020 were all sent home and we were stuck in a lockdown during the pandemic, we had a lot of time on our hands. And I saw an ad for Masterclass and I thought, I want to better myself. I want access to all of these brilliant people who teach you things. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with more than 200 plus of the world's best and smartest. For just under 10 bucks a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And I don't care, you can wake up one morning and say, I want to learn about business. And then another where you say, I want to learn how to survive in the wild if I have no water and no fire to make me warm. You can access Masterclass on your phone, on your computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. And the classes totally make a difference. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. From Ann Taylor, which you turned around and made extraordinarily successful, then comes the gap. Oh, boy. That's what you are known for in many, many ways. Because back then, The Gap, all I remember is fall into that, the gap. That made it famous. Yes. I, I knew that. Fall I, you into know, the gap. Yeah, Everyone knew the name. Exactly. Yeah. But but I didn't shop there because it was just sort of off-brand sweatshirts. and. It was, even as the fa- it was a mess. All discounted. Uh, 20 different late. It was a mess. Yeah. And uh, it was going down. Uh, Don Fisher, the founder, he knew he needed help, which is something when you need help, you have to recognize it. So uh, long story short, I never wanted to leave New York City, but I couldn't afford an apartment to move. And I had one child then, and you know, two was coming. And we lived in a an apartment that we paid in 1976, not much. I was on the board of the building. Well, uh, well that, what was the Ann Taylor CEO job paying at that point? Well, it was paying. I didn't negotiate very well. <laughs> like you right? can't be good at everything. No, maybe. no, I don't negotiate well. It was paying $125,000 a year. Okay. I got 1,000 shares of options. I didn't even know what options were. And as luck would have it, wasn't lucky for me, a big corporate bureaucratic department store group bought us. 
I stayed for another three, four years because I was learning. They were a pain in the butt dealing with them. <laughs> but, you know, most uh, I'm anti-bureaucracy and I worked with large companies, which, you know, I was part of. But uh, most big companies uh, are run, in my opinion, by people who don't want to upset anything, the Apple card. Right. Uh, Steve Jobs, he would take risks every minute of every day. And he was by far uh, the best, in my experience, mm -hmm. leader. Exactly. And yet, that was well after you got to the Gap. Yep. So. You get hired to fix the gap. What was the first thing you tackled? I tackled my mental state. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was Peggy and I, I moved out. I left Antel on a Friday. I go out Sunday to go to work. I'm checking into a hotel. And by the way, for the first six months, I was checking in and out of hotels. I didn't know to say I want an apartment, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And uh, it was the biggest cultural shock I've ever had. San Bruno Office Park, company that has two buildings, uh, and uh, the culture was discount, uh, on sale, and all that. And I had a very personal, difficult time first couple of years getting used to public company. The stock was dropping. Mm -hmm. And there I am thinking, what the hell did I do? And it took a couple of years to kind of, you know, San Francisco's, you know, when you come from New York or the Bronx, it's, it's in your blood. But it was extremely personally difficult. And Peggy, my wife, would say, how do you go to work and run this public company and come home and like be not too happy? So, but, you know, without her... You know, she was a great partner. So what turned it around? What turned it around is, well, I'll never forget every day. Vision, I always had an imagination for what it should be. In fact, I wanted to start my own company for what Gap became. I listed, when I worked at ANS, I listed a bunch of styles that everyone in America might need. It's white space. And what turned it around is always a team of people hiring firing and relentless pursuit of uh, your goals uh, and, uh, uh, and having a skill in merchandise or whatever. Was there one design that flipped the switch? Well, <laughs> yeah, there was two or three. I, I mean, one is framed was the buffalo plaid flannel shirt. There was a 10-button Henley the pocket t-shirt. Oh yeah. I remember um, that. And you know, it wasn't anything you learn anywhere, but you know, you're a student of how people dress. And I was very inspired by Benetton in those days. Oh, the Italian sweater. Yeah. Company. And Ralph Lauren always had great style mm -hmm. and taste. And then Brooks brothers, which was owned by the same owners as Ann Taylor and in those days, I watched it decline. You knew it was happening. It takes some quality of a business. But what I loved about Brooks Brothers, they had their own label, so no one could put their stuff on sale. And sale, even today, is the way the world goes. And uh, so with that learning at Ann Taylor, uh, they call it direct-to-consumer. I didn't have a fancy term, but I 
developed an Ann Taylor studio. We worked with vendors, and Ann Taylor became its own brand. So you brought that to the Gap. Uh, oh, Gap, yeah. Well, Gap had <laughs> Gap was about thirty-three percent of Levi's. The relationship was a nightmare. Thirty-three percent fall into the Gap discounting, <laughs> and Don was extremely. And I worked with uh, two of his sons. He was very supportive. I mean, uh, he should have been, but you know, sometimes you have battles with a CEO or a founder. But um, when I got there, um, I just hired. You can't do it without the right team members. Right, yeah, absolutely. But also that that vision of American style and the khaki moment seems to be almost just etched in stone for the Gap success story. Well, you know, uh, I was fortunate. I worked. I, I have a weakness for creative people. I'm only kidding about a weakness. <laughs> and I people who have imagination, a vision or taste and style, it was the stand, it was a qualification in a certain area. You know, the uh, technology, et cetera. I, I didn't know anything about that, but I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, I, I spend all my time, I try to, on what a customer sees. That's from emails to letters to, uh, you name it, a store. Store design. Store design and going into a store. And to this day, I do the same thing. And people think I'm a pain. Uh, they think I'm <laughs> criticizing them. And I had to explain last week, they thought, uh, I said, I'm not criticizing. I won't, you know, I used to get a little passionate. Mm -hmm. And so I like to get reviews from the team. And I found they, like someone who will say anything to me said, you know, you're always right, but it's the way you deliver it. So as of oh, last week, in oh, fact, okay. today, Gotta learn. she says, don't get mad. I said, you know, I don't get mad anymore. But so um, the, the gap was, I mean, very tough. It turned around. because we And we redid the entire business. We had 18 brand names. I'll never forget one was called Foxtails. It was the woman's jean line. And someone said, well, that name on surveys is very popular. Surveys? And a lot of companies do that. I was forced by my board to have a what focus groups. And I sat through it because I, I, I think they handcuffed me to the chair. I mean, I'm listening <laughs> to people who don't have the vision, right. etc., and it was really painful. Difficult. It and was painful. You said, "Just you know what? Let me do it." And yeah. so, then, who came up with the idea of khakis? Well, it's it's an evolving thing. Uh, the first thing was get washed jeans. They had all rigid jeans, two for twenty six. Khakis, everything evolves. You come up with ideas. I I like have every day. You see something. I was walking down Madison yesterday. I see a friend of mine who has a really nice store. Um, and he had decals on the window saying, GQ says this store. It was nice. Sid Mashburn, terrific guy. And I said, I took a picture, and I said, we get some things decals on the window. that said, this is the best men's store. That was an right, idea. Right up. Right huh? up. Yeah, but, but he put the decals with the headline, 
every single day. I'm I can't shut my brain off, but you you know I feel things that uh, it it's you know sometimes the standards become a little high, but they are. You got to be an idea factory, which leads me to one of your biggest most successful ideas, Old Navy. That turned into what is written up in the history books as, I mean, from zero to 180, you created it out of thin air. I was in Paris on the way to the airport. And on Rue Saint-Germain, I'm just looking out the window and I see a bar called Old Navy. (laughs) Kind of a little dive. I didn't go into it. I said to the woman I was with, I said, what a great name for a company. And uh, I registered it the next day in America. It was free. And that was the name. But the board of directors didn't like the name and dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Uh, In today's money, a couple of million dollars later, we had to hire two name labs. Name lab. and Yeah. And then I went through this, and that's when I started, you know, talking to myself, what the hell am I doing this for? Because if you name your child something, you don't have like a board of directors <laughs> saying you can't name them that. It's called the in-laws. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, opened the first store, and the board insisted, Gap Old Navy. You know, it's like having Pepsi and Coke. And I said to you know, the family, whatever... I said, we do that and there'll be no gap left in five years. But we opened up Gap, Old Navy, whatever. Store, in spite of it, I love the vibe and you get the sense on the first thing. Mm -hmm. And then the second floor, second store in South San Francisco. Frankly, I just, no one was going to know anyway. So I called it Old Navy. They lined up. We had Cindy Crawford there. Come on. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a million years ago, but... It was huge, and it was very exciting, but how do you keep it going? So I think in hindsight, I never really, you don't rest on your laurels, because if you stop driving or trying to beat yourself, then you ought to leave. You've got to stoke the idea of fire. You just talked about how you weren't a techie guy. You didn't understand technology a lot, and yet... The most brilliant man in technology, Steve Jobs, 100%. decides, I want Mickey Drexler on my board because I want to open retail stores. Wow. You got that call, and what did you think? <laughs> I said no. <laughs> oh, come on. You did not. No, Steve, is. He we met at a Napa Valley at a mutual friend's birthday. He come up, he starts schmoozing with me. I'm thinking, mm, Steve Jobs, big deal. He is, you know. He was always a big deal. And he's schmoozing and schmoozing and then follows up and says, I'd like you to join the board. And I said, you know, I, I, I have no interest. I don't like to be on boards. <laughs> no board of Apple. Oh, but my you know, gosh. You know what happened? For a year, he doesn't give up. And the and I know, and he's a very seductive guy. I love Steve. I idolized him. So he says to me, you join my board, I'll join Gap's board. Okay. Deal. Now you know you're why? Because Steve 
I knew the board was very inside, not my inside, but, you know, family and all that. I said, he will be Steve Jobs and so difficult at times that I love. So he said, yes, he lived up to his reputation <laughs> and um, he was difficult. But, you know, he was I love the guy and uh, he would upset people. He'd be irreverent. That's him. And it was great. So he says to you. I want to open Apple stores. Yeah, like Gap. He wanted to be, he wanted to be like Gap Retail Direct, their own stores, and uh, I thought, you know, I thought it was a really good idea. But what was your imprimatur on those stores? Because they they're white, they're welcome, well, there they're was, glass. He, uh, I suggested we build a store, which we did it at Gap inside a warehouse, big store, make it however big. And he, his first store, uh, I wasn't part of it. I said, it's awful, Steve. <laughs> it was. I said, the decor and everything, it, it's fighting the merchandise. You can't see the goods. Huh. And, I, and I knew, I didn't know much about it, but Apple was very clean, white, clean. And so we designed a new store together. It was very Gappish-like. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, it... It's timeless. They still use a store today. And, uh, you know, hugely successful. I say he's the best retailer in, in the world. And the world misses Steve yeah. because yeah. he was a genius. He took the risks that he had to take. He took no prisoners. He was difficult. But so what? You have to be that way. He's a, you know, American hero. Well, the way you succeed sometimes is to break things. Yeah. You know, it's not to make friends. Right. You break the rules. You do. You have to be, uh, you know, a contrarian to a lot of things. Common wisdom to me is just common. And the people that really build things use uncommon wisdom. J. Crew, you leave Gap. We don't have to get into the whole Megillah, but you yeah. were you were invited to leave. Translation <laughs> fired. Um, uh, yep, listen, I was. We've uh, all been there. We've yeah, all been there. One day notice, <laughs> and uh, four hundred million to fifteen billion, and you know, whatever. You and go you say, through look that. What, look what I did. I brought it from from tiny to huge, and it doesn't matter. They're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. This is everyone talks to Liz, and we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates it's faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So you you land a J Crew. Now, you talk about hiring the right people in the team. During the time when J Crew was so cool, the name Jenna Lyons. It's all at she became in a way 
the person, she was the one who was designing things or uh, t- tell me, give the scoop. Uh, in the interests of being tactful. <laughs> Uh-oh, here it comes. I could never have done it without Jenna. Okay. Uh, and and the rest of the team. Uh, because I could point to people I could never have done it without. And, uh, you know, Jenna now has taken a different direction. And, um, you know, I wish her well. I speak to her, and she was hugely important. I met her. She was there for 20 years. And every time I had a new job, I'd interview everyone in the company the first week. You're out, you're in, that, 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 that. When I met her, she was the one. I chose her, uh, and uh, I choose, you know, the best. I, I'm, I'm, you got to spot the creativity in a creative job. Well, she became a muse for women my age at the time because, I mean, when in the catalog, in the catalog, they had Jenna's picks. Right. Jenna's picks. Well, I encourage that because, you know, like that's what I encouraged. But sometimes, you know, you read your own press. Yeah, You get yeah. comfortable. Happens to all of us. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, it was a great run. And, um, and then at the end, of course, you know, when you have investors, uh, you know, I, I worked for investors and I controlled, you know, they control a bigger piece. Right. What do investors know about the Schmata business? Hardly anything. Uh, and, um, and everyone wants to weigh in. Yeah. Oh, and everyone, I used to call it the Sunday picnics that all the board members, the family discussed, you know, things that, and I get the ideas yeah. and all that. It sounds very succession-ish. But today... You're still in the business. You yep. are the chairman of a company your son founded called Alex Mill. I've been on the website. Sweaters. What is the look that you're going for here? What well, does it feel? It's always the same for me. It's style. It's taste. It's clothes that are not. Yeah, the clothes don't wear the person. The person wears the clothes. And it's kind of. It's just. It's kind of. It just always looks right and chic. Now, you, you know, and you make a lot of mistakes. Uh, and one of the key partners is Samsak, who was the number two uh, under Jennifer years. And then he's the one who built Madewell, which, you know, we started. And um, so that's, it, it's style, taste, good value, relative, and no thing goes unnoticed no detail is too small and that is so important oh you're speaking my language for our viewers who watch i mean i get so hyper about the lower third banners that say things I'm like this has to be sexy or it's sparkly why aren't we saying something different in a creative way i'm very detail oriented i'm uh, glad to hear you are too well you have to be customers in restaurants I go to a few regulars, and I'm like the manager in the restaurant. I say, you know, the eggs are too salty, and they, I know them, and <laughs> you know, but that's it, and it's inconsistent. It's very difficult. Fashion, food, be consistent, and um, every detail matters. It does. I mean, every single one. Mickey, where do you see the retail fashion world in 10 years? Well, I, I have no idea, but I'll tell you what I think today. And I'm, it's not, I won't 
it's not a popular thought, maybe. I was reading the New York Times yesterday, and and then I was reading, I forgot what other mag, a magazine, not the Times magazine, and there was an interview, and they're talking about designer clothes today, and they're really logo clothes. It's a way to buy, in my opinion, I hope no one gets mad at me, but people buy Handbags are probably accessories, most of the business. And in my opinion, it's a it's a logo business. And it's a logo business that, you know, I love, like Hermes is my favorite. So it's more discreet, maybe. Mm -hmm. Some of it's not discreet, but you always know where the handbag's from. There's nothing anonymous in that world. And the prices, as they said in the article, and no surprise, they are... Up twenty five percent this year, yeah. And I think you need a you need a mortgage to buy the clothes, and uh, so I don't know where it's going to go. The best retail store clothing, in my opinion, is TJ Maxx. Uh, and Carol Meyer, which I always mention her name, she's she was the CEO. Now she's still the chief merchant. They do about sixty billion plus dollars, mm. and. If you look at the stores, I mean, it's brilliant. It's like a treasure hunt. Yeah. Everything she sells is in a department store. And people know, go to TJ Maxx, you'll see the same thing. In fact, most of the people, and they're going to argue, they do most of their business with TJ Maxx. But I think the business is, uh, I, I'm disappointed today. I mean, I don't really care much. It's not that important. But I think uh, the style has gone out of it in the creativity and the discounting and promotion is not there. So I can't predict 10 years, but I look at the car industry. I used to love cars. I, and when I was a kid, I knew every model every year. Now, when I call an Uber, I don't know what car is what. They say, oh, a Toyota's on the way. Uh, this is on the way. And we have someone in the office, Bridget, she says this is what she'll show me a picture or something. She's a car buff, but you know, style and design. You know, Steve uh, wanted to, if he lived uh, longer, was going to do a, a i car at Apple. He loved engineering, he was a big believer in electric and all that. But uh, you know, unfortunately, he was taken well before mm. his time. As I look at you, I wish our, I wish our people could see, our listeners could see. You look so chic right now. Okay, what are you wearing? You're wearing a, a t-shirt. Alex Mill, uh, slub t-shirt. Okay, so you're wearing a less expensive t-shirt. It's sort of mix and match. Yeah, well, an old pinstriped button down, and then blue. The every scarf. shirt is white, or version of a blue and white stripe. That's me, and then. Uh, and then, you know, you got to have the other little special, I, I, you know, and then now this is, this is something no one does these anymore. Okay. I'm looking at your shoes. And I used to buy from W. Bill. Now I'm an older guy, but I remembered, I used to go to Europe a lot. W. Bill was a knitwear and sock store on Old Bond Street. And uh, I used to buy all my socks from them. They had hand-knit argyle socks. Now, I wasn't of the manner born, but, you know, I like things that are nice. And uh, we still do business with the manufacturer of all those socks. 
And we brought in cashmere because in my old company, I, I only wear cashmere socks. I don't care how hot it is. And uh, <laughs> they got rid of them. So we now have a really good cashmere sock business. You cannot buy a good cashmere sock. I searched the world uh, about two years ago because it was a business I wanted to get into for us and personally. And it's hard to buy a good cashmere sock today. Who is the best brand, in your opinion, that does it really well at a, at a fair price? Well, you know, the, I, I haven't seen their stores yet. I cannot believe the reputation that Irwan has as a supermarket. Oh, yeah. There's one in Beverly Hills. Yep. I'm sorry. $38 for a small box no, of fresh I know, salad. No, but you thanks. know how much that store does? I know. Good why? friend of mine's in. Why? I've never been, but people are addicted. They love it. The fir- They opened one in Silver, whatever it's called. and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Silver Lake? No, yeah, that's it. California, yeah. okay. And they just opened a store, lines around the block. People say it's high price. Well, they used to say about uh, Whole Foods was Whole Paycheck. But, yes. you know, they've since, you know, what happened there. But I've never seen the store, and I've never heard so much raving. I'm actually envious because that store... And, uh, you know, I listened to a podcast about it. I mean, Ear One, and it's nowhere spelled backwards. I didn't is, know that. Yeah, well, my friend oh, said, you know, he told me. And he secret. kept, he's raved about it for three or four years. I don't think I've been to L.A. in that long. He's a very smart investor, yeah, Ken. There's one he's, right on, I think it's Canon. Oh, so you know the store. Oh, well, my whole family. Oh, let's go to Erwan. And we walk in. I'm trying to buy little bits of food. I mean, it was all really delicious, yeah, I will yeah. say. But, I mean, $250 later. Well, you know, uh, people have an emotional connection to certain businesses and, uh, you know, brands. And they look for the greatest thing in the world. And in that case, you know, it's great. You know, you go to restaurants, they say they're great and they're all mediocre. Mm. But, you know, it's the newest care. Yeah. yeah, you know, so, uh, but the, I, I've never seen it. But you say the other, what was the question? Who else does a great job? Yeah, yeah. I respect Zara. I think they do a great job. And when you do it consistently, Year after year, and it's not up, it's not down. That you know, I respect them a lot. I don't know them, but well, I want to reveal something to you. When I was in college, I got a job at the Gap. Did you learn how to fold? Oh, that's all I did. <laughs> uh, I was folding in my sleep. Which store was it? It was the one right across from Sather Gate at UC Berkeley. Got it. Yeah, on the corner. Yeah, sure. right there. Yeah, I remember right there. that store. I, sure. And it was so much fun. It was a great atmosphere. And I'll tell you something. I, I loved working at The Gap. Well, thank you. So did I until they gave me one day's notice. <laughs> Nikki Drexler, wonderful to hear your story. Oh, thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. You have just heard, you guys, from one of these one-of-a-kind type of people. There there aren't many in this world, but when they walk in, they light up a room. They they suck out the oxygen because everybody wants to tap their brain and download their expertise, which is so innate. And this kind of record is highly unusual, and we are so honored to have Mickey Drexler. And I am honored that you guys are tuning in once again. 
shoot me a, a Twitter at, at Liz Clayman. Oh, sorry, X. Um, and I will, uh, yeah, what did you make of that name change? Oh, well, I have no comment because our best-selling hat has an X on it. It's the only thing. We use X, and I, you know, I'm going to try to sue Musk, uh, you know. Oh, keep us posted on well, that. Well, we don't have it patented, and I'm wondering if he does. <laughs> I don't think anyone can own an X, oh, but... he's good at patenting. I didn't want to fool around with that fight, so... <laughs> Good, good thought. Although something tells me you would win. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I'll see you next time. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.